0: standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You know, it's interesting here, almost every time we've been doing a show, an episode of the Powercast in the last couple of months, Skype has decided to be temperamental. So, this particular occasion, I could not make a proper audio connection, so my guests are guest co-host Bob Zanotti and Mark Skirman, who is one of the proprietors of we New Jersey, which we can get into a lot of stories there. We couldn't get this connection to work. I could hear them on my headphones, but the recording product that we used to pick this all up wouldn't pick up their audio. And it's nothing unusual. I mean, going back just a couple of months ago, one of the grandfathers of the Internet himself, Jacques Vallée, was on the show. He couldn't even use Skype. We used his landline phone.
1: <laughs> Our old friend uh, Jack Robinson from the New Jersey and New York days would attribute this to the Darrow's.
0: Mark, are you aware of what the Darrow's are? Uh No.
1: An underground aren't. race of nasty people who do all kinds of nasty things to us living on the surface.
2: Oh, are they uh, reptilian-like,
0: you mean? I don't know, Gene. How do they look? <laughs> Not really reptilian. They look kind of like hideous dwarfs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: There's a real well, underground base of reptilian people, too, that are <laughs> you know, trying to invade our space.
1: Hey, I think we got a great show tonight. I think it's going to be a good one, as Long John used to say. We got everything here. Weird New Jersey. Now, I, no
0: no cracks, please. No jokes. Wait, wait, wait. I had 10 different bad jokes to give you about Weird New Jersey. But the only Weird New Jersey joke I can say is it was weird because I lived there for a few years.
1: Well, I don't find anything weird about New Jersey except what we're going to talk about.
2: In the show tonight. That's because you guys left Jersey years ago, and (laughs) I'm still here hanging on. <laughs> uh, a new
1: jersey bigfoot hauntings haunted lighthouses and caves obscure cemeteries and weird graves howard menjura native of new jersey abandoned mines the pine Barrens and the new jersey devil the cape may sunken concrete boat a gravity road in franklin lakes new jersey off route 208 i lived a couple of hundred feet from there strange things is is jimmy hoffa buried in new jersey hey we got a we got an awful lot on our plate tonight gentlemen
0: i know mark i think the big question here is how did you get sucked up into this crazy world with weird new jersey well you know
2: gene i was always interested in local history but i think history that uh, is kind of like under the radar you know, we've been hearing like local legends for years and years about Heartbeat Road, Gravity Road, Albino Village, so forth and so on. And I was, I said to myself, as it's history, nobody really wrote down all our local legends and put them in a volume or two. So that's what I kind of decided to do. I said, I'm going to go to my friends and, you know, we're going to go out on weekends and look for... Heartbeat Road, uh, Gravity Hill, and, uh, you know, Albino Village. All these local legends we've heard about for years and years. And actually, they're there. It's not just like uh, something made up in your mind. You can actually go see these places.
1: You have written, if I'm... Correctly informed, uh, Mark, I think you've written about 45 books about this stuff. It's incredible that there's so much to talk about, plus the magazine Weird New Jersey.
2: Well, yes, we did about maybe 36 or 38 weird state books like Weird Arizona, Weird California, Weird New Jersey. But our, our real heart and soul is we put out a magazine two times a year called Weird New Jersey. And it's about our travels every six months, and whatever we find, uh, that's, what we, that's what we write about. Wherever people say, oh, you got to go see this because you're not going to believe it, well, then we're out on the road, and we're checking it out and photographing it and writing about it.
1: Well, that's a great hobby, Mark, but uh, do you have a day job?
2: Believe it or not, that is a day job. It's a full-time okay. uh, occupation.
1: Wow. <laughs> Good for you.
2: <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs>
1: let, let me pick you up on on you. You just uh, threw out a couple of things: Albino Village and Heartbeat Road. What's the story?
2: Well, the legend of Albino Village was it was it was located in Clifton, New Jersey, and the thing was, you know, it, and this was from the early fifties. Uh, you would go through this menacing-looking tunnel, and there would be these group of houses that were sitting there. And, um, the thing was you bring your date there, get them real scared and you'd bang on the side of your car door and say, the albinos are going to come out and kill you. They have razor sharp teeth. And, uh, we wrote about that and we got a lot of flack about it because, you know, it's not really it's nice to talk about albino people like that, but this was the legend. <laughs> so that was it. It was a very scary place to go to late at night, you know, usually after a rut hut. So, uh, that that's and that was one of our favorite stories
1: and what about Heartbeat Road that sounds a little weird
2: well the legend was that um, you know there was a horrific accident if you go there late at night at a certain time you can hear the heartbeat of the accident victims but actually in reality, it was a it was an old pumping station with a broken pump, so you'd hear the boom 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 but it scared everybody everybody was terrified when they went there
1: <laughs> people with active imaginations <laughs>
2: well, that's, that's that's half what all these stories are about i mean uh-huh. half, i mean, it's, it's the thrill is like going there, you know, and once you're there, it's maybe like not as you know as as Juan and his daughter were going to be, but I think that Half of the half of the joy is the ride going there, and just like going out and trying to find these places. Yeah,
1: but you know I, that that impresses me in a positive way, Mark. Because you know a lot of researchers and people who do this kind of thing—they're going out looking for something weird. And uh, I remind me of somebody who said, uh, uh, "Here at K R U D Radio, if there ain't no news, we make some." you know, and a lot of these things get, get blown out of all proportion, but you're, you're, you're a serious researcher, really. You're just, you're a journalist. You're putting the, the the facts down as you see them.
2: Pretty much. We, uh, we give everybody a fair chance to tell their story. We don't judge, you know, we, we just, we just let them tell their story. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they, it's such a fantastic story that, the only place they can really tell it is in the magazine, and we we don't make any judgment calls. We let them just do it at face value.
1: What about the readership? I mean, you said this is your day job. You're you're making a living at this. That implies that you have a, a decent readership.
2: Um, we I think we print about right now. We print about twenty one thousand every six months, and they pretty much sell out. Wow. That yeah. uh, does. It does have a cult following, so yeah. uh, we're, we're actually, you know, we've been doing it for 28 years. So we're trying to figure out how we're going to stop this train wreck from happening. But because people ask us, well, are you going to run out of material? Uh, you haven't run out. You must have run out of material by now. But actually, it gets it gets worse. It gets like you know, as you know, in these times, it's it's crazy. So people. Uh, People do a lot of crazy things, like they put bowling balls on their front lawn and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the magazine is not all, you know,
3: uh,
2: anomalous, uh, you know, crazy stuff because we've got to produce it every six months. So we do do people that put crazy stuff on their lawns and stuff like that, just, just to kind of like, you know, round it out, you know, kind of weird roadside attractions. And-
1: You're talking about um, uh, train wrecks. Uh, we're going to get into trains and train wreck and ghost trains maybe a
0: little later on. We're okay. talking about Weird New Jersey, what happened after Bob Zanotti and Gene Steinberg left. No, a lot more than that. Mark Skirman is one of the leading lights behind Weird New Jersey. You're in. The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast.
4: You've heard that supply lines are down or moving slow moving slow and that most everything costs more these days. Costs more these days. But good news, high-quality Sunny Bay products are in stock and ready to ship now because they're made in the USA, like our extra-long neck heating pads. They provide soothing relief to painful sore necks and backs, are microwavable, and come in a variety of colors and patterns. What a great gift, an extra-long neck heating pad from Sunny Bay, also available in lavender-scented. Buy now in time for the holidays and avoid any shipping delays. Available on Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, and Sunny-Bay.com. Just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. They're great for men or women, are reusable, and easy to clean. So this year, give the gift of pain relief, an extra-long neck wrap from Sunny Bay. Remember, just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Order now when our stock is high and shipping is fast. And happy holidays from Sunny Bay.
5: Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi. I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Longevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at Wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with Longevity. TeamGaday.com. Have you heard the warning
6: from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says, if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate Over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at the Paracast.com. That's news at the Paracast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
0: So, Mark. Obviously, we're not just talking about paranormal here. You cover anything that is strange, strange things in the roadside. Just a kind of a fast question about the magazine, though. In an environment where print magazines have trouble, do you focus on digital, too?
2: We did digitize a couple of the older issues, but we found that people actually want this thing in their hands. They don't want a digital version. They actually want something physical in their hands to read which is kind of odd these days but you know we we tried the digital route nobody seems to want it so they want they want the the print magazine
0: well then you become a rare breed and congratulations i read a story the other day about a newspaper i think in arkansas where they were having trouble getting advertisers and sales for the print version so what they did was to buy a load of ipads that's apple's tablet and then when people subscribe to the digital version, they give them a free iPad so they can see it. But I agree with you. It's much to be preferred to have a physical magazine in your hands. There's just nothing like it. And I'm glad for the people who are still making a go of it.
7: And, you know,
2: we don't really rely a lot on advertisers because it's it's really hard to pull advertising for the magazine. I mean, you know, we we talk about Ghosts, UFOs, uh, crazy diners and, and crazy people. So the only people that are gonna advertise that are the people that like that. <laughs> you know, so there's it's it's hard to have the advertising. But we never really were in it for the money. It was just like a it was like a tumble roll, you know, whirlwind adventure and uh we're still having fun with it.
1: I just want to background my own uh, situation here. I'm a native from New Jersey. Funny, you know, when I was a kid we were called Jerseyites. And now we've graduated. Now we're called Jerseyans. I guess we've come up in the world. I, I was born in Patterson, grew up in Hawthorne and Franklin Lakes. And I know the area quite well. And that's near the New Jersey, New York state border. And I'd like to start uh, to sort of get into some of these specific cases. You mentioned before about uh, minorities or albinos. And the, the thing that came to my mind. Was something that everybody in northern New Jersey probably has heard about. And we're talking about an area of the Wachung Mountains, which is the, the mountain range that runs through that area up into New York state. Wachung, a lot of Indian names there, Wachung Mountains. And there, right on the border uh, around, uh, Malwa, uh, is a, a group, of, a minority group called the Jackson Whites. J-A-C-K-S-O-N-W-H-I-T-E-S, capitalized, the Jackson Whites. And here uh, we get into um, a subject which we mentioned a couple of shows ago about missing people, and that is, that's a part of New Jersey that most people try to avoid. Missing people, strange things. You turn up among the missing when you go there. What do you know about that, Mark? Mark?
2: Well, you know, the Jackson Whites, it's kind of like a derogatory term for them. They they, they want to be known as the Ramapo Mountain People. But their families have been around since the Revolutionary War. And they've been up in those hills kind of cloistered for a long, many, many years. And that's why people don't really know much about them. So that's why it's always been like a mysterious area. You know, people say, oh, they're all inbreed and stuff like that. Like it's a, some kind of hillbilly organization. But... It's really not, but it was just a you know nobody ever traveled up there, and they they don't really welcome too many outsiders.
1: They actually live in the woods, don't they?
2: Well, up in that area, all they got are woods.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. But the the maybe not politically correct, mm-hmm. and I don't tend to be politically correct. I believe in the truth, and and calling it what it is. But uh, the fact is, when I was a kid. And maybe there's prejudice involved. I don't exclude that. But the folklore had it that you didn't go in there. They didn't like people, and people who went there, outsiders, just didn't come out again. Is there anything to that?
2: Well, I think the reason is because you go in there with the uh, stigma that these people are going to you know, either uh, kill you or kidnap you or whatever. But that's the folklore of that area.
1: Mm. But nothing to back it up. What's that? I say nothing. Nothing to back it up.
2: Well, yes. There's been a lot of incidents. I mean, we get a lot of letters saying people about these Ramapo Mountain people. They, uh, you know, they they're all like kind of backwards, and they won't go to school and so forth and so on. But you know, with with the magazine, we're not really there to judge people. We're not there to make fun. We just tell the stories.
1: Well, what about let's uh, let's look at the the general subject though of missing people. Do you have a lot of, have you recorded a lot of cases of missing people in New Jersey? I mean, missing people, I don't mean the usual routine police stuff. Uh, Somebody disappears and wants to get out of, uh, you know, get out of the mainstream life. I'm talking about mysterious disappearances. Do you get many of them?
2: Actually, no, we don't. Uh, Not that I recall anyway. I mean, you get a lot of like, you know. I mean, there's a lot of, like, unsolved murders and things around here, but nothing uh, nothing like anybody being uh, beamed up in a spaceship or anything like that. Mm.
1: Okay, um, how about moving on to um, hauntings? Now, I think New Jersey has got its share of haunted houses, haunted lighthouses, <laughs> and weird cemeteries. Um, let's move in that direction, uh, Mark. Let's look at hauntings. What are some of the most um famous infamous hauntings in New Jersey.
2: Well, you have to remember that uh New Jersey is one of the uh, original 13 colonies. So this state right. has been for a long time. So it has plenty of years to gather its ghosts and gather its hauntings. You know, there's a uh, there's one great legend of uh it's called Annie's Road in Totowa and there are a few different versions of the legend uh she was uh you know on um, it was on Riverside Road and uh, Riverview Drive and uh they uh, this woman was in a carriage uh going to her wedding and the horse got spooked and she was she died on the road and supposedly you see this ghostly white you know woman walking along Riverview Drive and then the legend switched to uh, Annie at the prom night uh, and she was killed in a car accident on the prom night. But there is definitely some kind of weird thing going on there. People see this apparition walking down the street. And even the local colleges, uh, once in a while they'll just take a bucket of uh, red paint and, and just throw it on the road to make it look like blood. So this is how legends just keep uh, perpetuating. They keep going on and on. Another one is the, uh, the ATCO uh, Ghost Boy on Burnt Mill Road in atco uh the legend is if you go down the street and you uh turn your lights on and off two times this basketball will you know bounce out into the street and it's this little boy that wants to play basketball with you but you never see the ghost boy
0: you know this sounds like saying beetlejuice three times and having (laughs) some kind of weird guy saying i'm batman (laughs) appearing we don't want to get into that mark skerman is one of the proprietors of weird new jersey and the proprietor of announcing chores and co-host chores is Bob Zanati. You're in the Paracast.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit gcnlive.com today.
11: USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. The legal back and forth continues as the Biden administration tries to impose its vaccine mandate on employers of 100 workers or more. A U.S. appeals court now reaffirming its decision to place the order on hold for now, saying that it is probably fatally flawed, referring to the mandate. That decision will probably be appealed all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. Another successful launch of a Falcon 9 SpaceX rocket. This one carrying 53 more Starlink satellites from Cape Canaveral into Earth orbit early today after a one day weather delay.
12: This is the 87th overall successful recovery of our Falcon 9 first stage. And next up will be Palo This Saturday Lincoln. launched
11: the 31st Starlink mission uh, with the goal of eventually providing worldwide broadband connectivity. This is USA Radio News. More now on the infrastructure bill that the president will be signing with great pomp and circumstance on Monday at the White House. White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki says at that event, he will also announce who he's chosen to be the infrastructure coordinator. Someone that she says will oversee the implementation of the $1.2 trillion measure and make sure the funds are spent properly and that there is accountability. And expect it will be someone
13: from outside of the administration.
11: It will be a busy Monday for President Biden. Biden, as after that event in the afternoon, he is expected to be having a phone meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. It will be the first formal bilateral meeting between the two leaders. White House Press Secretary Saki saying that she and Biden will, in her words, discuss ways to responsibly manage their competition. Britney Spears is thanking her fans as she celebrates the end of her conservatorship. And this is USA Radio News.
16: Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of A.D. After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
0: radio. With Gene and Bob and our guest, Mark, we're talking about Weird New Jersey, about the strange ghost-related stuff, which I gather is mostly for fun, but doesn't a haunted house make for a good tourist attraction? Mark,
2: we do have a lot of haunted houses in uh, New Jersey. Uh, one of the best ones is the uh, Burlington uh, County Prison. You know, and there's been hangings in the courtyards and a lot of murders there, and uh, it's a very, very old prison. And a lot of people see a lot of a lot of stuff happening around there.
0: Is the prison still being used?
2: No, it's used as a kind of museum now. So they just they give ghost tours every once in a while. But uh, a lot of people that we talk to have uh, picked up quite a few uh, ghosts.
1: Let me interject here that uh, for a number of years now, New Jersey has abolished the death penalty just
0: for the record.
2: Yes, there are no more uh, hangings in Burlington County prison.
0: Yes. So this means there are fewer ghosts.
2: Well, I guess the older ones are still hanging around, right? Ha! Ah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was reading uh, some of your background, and I saw some stories relating to uh, B&Bs and inns and hotels. Uh, there are actually quite a number of alleged haunted uh, premises. Of course, it reminds me a little bit, uh, also in New Jersey, George Washington slept here, you know, sort of thing. How about a couple of other examples of of haunted places, hotels and restaurants and this sort of thing?
2: Anytime you have like paranormal activity in a restaurant, a hotel or whatever, it's usually... A former occupant, maybe it's a former person that was at the bar all the time or something. So people see these like residual people, you know, show up at the, at this place all the time. There is a one very haunted hotel in Flemington, which is called the Union Hotel. Now that was the site of where the Lindbergh trial took place. We were there one time when it was almost abandoned, and the woman that was there said she saw this pair of white shoes walking down the stairs. Nobody in it, just shoes, walking down the stairs. Wow. And something kind of attacked her and held her down in her chair, and she couldn't get out. So when you have ghosts like that, they're more like an evil spirit than just somebody that used to go to the bar there every night.
1: It's just wondering at this point, uh, Mark, Do uh, uh, are there actually guided tours of haunted places in New Jersey? Are any of these tours organized, or is it up to individuals to seek
2: them out themselves? Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of paranormal investigators in New Jersey. And the reason being is there's a lot of paranormal activity in all these houses. Like I said, like, uh, this, these houses some of them have been around for like two three hundred years, and so they're very ripe for for hauntings i mean i'm not i'm not a ghost hunter myself i'm not a paranormal investigator i'm just uh i I just write about people's experiences i'm not sure i'd want to go on one of these ghost haunts
1: Have you ever uh, met anything really weird or scary yourself?
2: Well, no, but when I was in the Flemington hotel. You definitely got that feeling that there were some unforeseen forces looking at you. That's like the creepiest feeling when you I mean you know the places like known to be haunted but uh, all of a sudden you know you, you feel like somebody's looking at you that isn't really there.
1: I remember as a kid turning to the subject of haunted psychiatric clinics and hospitals. I think uh, New Jersey has the share. I remember as a kid, I don't know uh, much about this institution anymore, but just to kick it off, we had sort of a joke. When somebody um, wasn't quite right in the head, or we thought they weren't, uh, we would say they're ready for Greystone. Uh, I don't know if you know that phrase, but Greystone was... uh, well, I don't know uh, if it's notorious or not, but that was the uh, a state psychiatric clinic or hospital. Uh, has anything weird gone on there?
2: Well, they uh, demolished Greystone a few years ago, so now it's a county park. They didn't even keep uh, any of the old buildings up. So you got to remember, uh, you know, these institutions were places where, you know, they put people that were kind of like uh, they didn't have any other place to put them. And you know, I think with the advent of better drugs and everything else, that's why a lot of these institutions just became abandoned and uh, you know, and and haunted because you know there was a lot of like bad stuff happening too.
1: Well, you know, I mean, if we we get a, a little esoteric here, pseudo physics uh, or paraphysics,
3: mm-hmm.
1: people radiate energy. We know that they have auras. And people who think negatively or have evil thoughts will will radiate a lot of evil, um, as opposed to people who have good thoughts, you know, prayer versus, you know, satanic uh, things. And I can imagine that people in a mental institution or whatever they're politically correctly called these days, you know, if they are really in bad shape, they're going to be radiating, they're going to be throwing off an Awful lot of bad energy, and that energy I can imagine uh, could manifest in, in in nasty things somehow.
2: Right, um, uh, I, I totally agree. I mean, you have a, you have a, say like Greystone, and there's like a lot of institutions in New Jersey like that. Uh, you know, Menlo Park, uh, Marlboro. There were, there were a few of them, but you know, uh, they weren't really treated that fairly. Some of them you know like in the 20s and 30s and you got to remember these mental asylums they're huge i mean they they sustain their own food electricity everything else i mean it was all you know compact in this one uh, area but i think you know the state tried to do a lot of good for these people and i guess they did somehow but a lot of times uh, these people just you know they fall to the wayside and I guess the negative energy is still within those walls. I mean, if you are a paranormal investigator and you walk in there, sometimes you can pick this stuff up.
1: Have you ever, just just to pick you up on this, Mark, that's a good point, have you ever um, done any investigations together with uh, uh, psychics or sensitives to to, to chase up some of this stuff?
2: Well, I kind of stay away from all that stuff. I mean... um, you know, my my wife uh, has been living uh, with ghosts for years at where she grew up. So uh, I've heard these stories firsthand, and sometimes it's just not. You know, I just don't want to bring anything on, mm-hmm. so to speak.
1: Um. I'd like to... We got uh, a lot to talk about in terms of hauntings. Let's change the venue a little bit. We've been talking about North Jersey, northern New Jersey, where a lot of stuff seems to be going on, probably because it's a, the most populated part of the state. But if, if we go down south, you know, we we Jerseyans, you know, we don't go to the beach. We go down the shore. <laughs> that's, that's, that's New Jersey dialect. We're going down the shore. Uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, sings about that in Jersey Girl, for example. Down the shore, everything's all right. And uh, I I did a show, a Coffee Clutch show, which is featured on uh, uh, the it, it, – this show is not featured, not yet anyway, but on Paracast Plus. Uh, there's a, I, I, We're featuring shows I did back in the 1960s called Coffee Clutch, and I did uh, two shows. Uh, one and a half hour shows each with Ivan Sanderson, um, which uh, a name you may know, and he lived up in Warren County. And um, he mentioned in one of those shows that uh, treasure, presumably pirate treasure or buried treasure, keeps washing up at gold coins or things down in in southern New Jersey, down around Cape May and along the shore. What do you know about that?
0: Before we well, do yeah. any gold hunting as opposed to ghost hunting, this is getting fascinating. Let's just take a quick break here. Mark Skirman of Weird New Jersey. Bob Zanotti of Radio Switzerland, or formerly anyway. Gene Steinberg of something or other. You're in The Paracast.
8: You are listening to GCN.
18: This is an important message. Do you have an IRA, 401k, or retirement account worth more than $100,000? Your portfolio may qualify for an IRS tax loophole that allows you to own physical precious metals inside of your retirement account. Want our free report that shows you how? We are WealthProtectionResearch.com, and we help investors connect with the top precious metal companies in America to own physical gold and silver inside their retirement account using this little-known but very powerful IRS loophole. To claim your free IRS loophole report today, just text the word gold. Gold to 48542. Wealthprotectionresearch.com wants to get this information in your hands now so that you can protect your hard earned investments. Text GOLD to 48542 to learn more. When you text the word GOLD to 48542, we'll send you a secure link to download our IRS loophole report to show you how to start protecting your wealth with precious metals. Don't wait. Text the word GOLD to 48542 now. Wealth Protection Research. Text GOLD to 48542.
7: So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like.
16: Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
0: Weird New Jersey moving to South Jersey, moving to, what were you saying there about recovering gold coins, was it? Well, you have to
2: remember, uh you know, you have to picture New Jersey in the 1700s. It was mostly just marshland. It was a great place for pirates to hide any kind of treasure because there was really nobody around to dig it up, you know, and... That's why you have uh, places in New Jersey called, like, Money Island, Treasure Lake. You know, there are stories of Captain Kitt hanging around Oyster Creek all the time, and Tucker Island, Brigantine, Cape May, all those places were, you know, you had coves and everything else where these ships could come in and, you know, hide their money.
1: So there's, there's a lot of truth in that story. It's not just fiction. I mean, there, there, there is a historical uh, fact to it.
2: Oh, sure. And there was, uh, I think it was in 1948, it was called the New Jersey Gold Rush. Somebody dug up all these old gold coins uh, right uh, by Sandy Hook. And it it stirred a big frenzy because they thought it was some kind of pirate ship that had just like, you know, kind of washed on the beach.
1: Okay, guys, get those uh, metal detectors out. (laughs) and comb the Southern (laughs) Jersey beaches.
0: (laughs) We started up, my friend, we started this up. (laughs) <laughs> just thank the listeners of this show, those who live in New Jersey or nearby like New York or Pennsylvania. They'll now be searching for gold, and it's our fault.
1: <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that some people have beaten them to it already. I, I have a feeling.
2: The pirates would bury their treasure. They would kill one of the shipmates and throw him in the hole just so he would be a ghost, and he would be the person to always guard the money. Is that true? That's what I read. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. Speaking of, of well, we, let's bring it all together. Gold, pirates, uh, hauntings. There's a place in southern New Jersey. It's the southernmost tip of New Jersey that every Jerseyan knows, and that's Cape May. It's a beautiful spot right there uh, at the, the mouth of the Delaware, the Delaware Bay. Across the bay is uh, the state of Delaware. There's a lighthouse there, and there's uh, there are several lighthouses along the coast. Barnegat Light, for example, um, the uh, Cape May Lighthouse, and I understand that at least one or two of the lighthouses in New Jersey are reputed to be haunted. What do you know about that?
2: Well, I think uh, you know lighthouses. It's a it's a lonely position to be in. It's a lonely position to actually run a lighthouse for a long time. So I would imagine whoever the lighthouse keeper, even when he died, he probably still did the same thing uh, when he was dead because he he really knew nothing else to do in life.
1: Interesting, interesting,
2: and and which
1: specific lighthouses are reputed to be haunted?
2: I I don't know that for sure. I I couldn't tell you.
1: Almost anyone, uh, I suppose. You know, yeah. Could no, I mean, well, I it's it's
2: hard <laughs> to keep those lights lit.
1: Yeah. Oh, that would, of course, be the, it reminds me of that movie. My, uh, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. The fog. You, you guys remember that one? Sure. Yeah. Oh boy. That was, <laughs> that was really scary. Down the shore again. Um, uh, it's, it has nothing to do with hauntings, but it's uh, one of these strange, weird stories from New Jersey in the same place. Sunset Road, I think it's called. At the very, very bottom of, of Cape May, uh, there is a, a shipwreck there, and it's the weirdest thing. I've seen it. I've been there yeah. many times. It's, it's, it's a sunken concrete ship, a ship yeah. made of
2: concrete. What is? What a weird story. It's actually called Sunset Beach. It's the only place on the East Coast you can actually see the sunset, you know, in the West over the water. <laughs> A concrete ship is. Uh, it was. They produced them during World War One, and they. It was an alternative to uh, wooden ships, I guess. I guess they. They were running out of wood to build these ships, or steel, or whatever. So they made it out of concrete, and it actually, it floated very well. But, you know, it was it was hard to maintain if you crashed into something. And I think they made a few of them. That one in Cape May is called the uh, Atlantis SS Atlantis. And right yeah. today, it's you pretty much. It just looks like a piece of concrete in the water. All the erosion is just like you know taking it all away.
1: That was uh, the World War One era, I believe. Right. There's there's something else also at Cape May. There's nothing weird about it. It's just that it's one of these strange things, you know, a leftover from the Second World War, uh, and I've seen it again many, many times, and it's preserved almost like a. An unofficial monument, and that is a, a World War II uh, anti-aircraft bunker, right? Which is right on the beach, and, and it, yeah, go ahead, tell the and story. With
2: all the, with all the erosion, also, it's uh, now you now you just it's on pilings. It used to be, you know, filled right up to the top with sand, but since you know storms and everything else, it just kind of it's it's eroding away. But it's it's very creepy to look at, and that is supposedly haunted too. I mean, oh what, what, really? What place in New Jersey isn't haunted? Yeah, people see, <laughs> people see uh, you know soldiers you know around that place and everything. So you know it, it's it's really hard to pinpoint a ghost. Well, the
1: last time I was down there, and I, I, I guess it must have been about fifteen years ago, I went down to New uh, to uh, Cape May. You're you're absolutely right. I, I saw uh, pictures. There's a little museum there by the the lighthouse. And it showed pictures of the bunker when it was built in the 19, early 1940s during the war. And it was actually built on sand. But as you say, because of erosion, the beach has been eroded. And it, uh, the, the, the bunker, which must weigh an incredible amount of weight, uh, is, is standing on wooden, like poles, like telephone poles. And they, they held up pretty well. But when I was there, they had a project. I was watching it. There was a bulldozer. Uh, bulldozing sand underneath the bunker to reclaim the land to put it back on the land again. Uh, well, land I mean the sand. Um, I never saw any action as far as I know, but uh, apparently uh, German U-boats uh, submarines were sighted around the uh, the area, but I don't think it ever actually saw any any action.
2: Right. I believe there's a German U-boat about 58 miles off the coast of uh Manasquan that they they discovered.
1: Oh, they uh, really sunk?
2: Yep. Yeah. So they oh. so they were actually that close. So it was good for them to to build these fortresses because you don't know what's going to happen during the war, right?
1: Right. Right. Uh you talk about sunken boats. I mean, uh are there any uh are there any other stories about sunken vessels around New Jersey?
2: Well, I think New Jersey had. I think I, I've seen a map of shipwrecks in New Jersey, and there's like over a thousand, maybe fourteen hundred shipwrecks, like all up and down the coast. Wow! So you actually kind of wonder, like, what what exactly is in the water there? You know, what, <laughs> you know? even like uh, the, they had uh, they actually lost an atomic bomb off the coast of Atlantic City, which they never recovered.
1: Well, that's a comforting <laughs> that's not, thought. <laughs> it's almost uh, <laughs> it, it, what shall we say it's almost uh, uh, retribution uh, for all the gambling in Atlantic City <laughs> maybe it'll go off one day you know <laughs> like that movie uh, War Games you know targeting Las Vegas <laughs> right. but there, was
2: also uh, another, there was also another dirigible that went off of, uh, Atlantic City too the, the Akron and that, that crash landed in the ocean and uh, that's i think it was i think it was before the Hindenburg i'm not sure
1: well the Hindenburg of course uh yeah in um oh, where was it again i can't think of the Lyndhurst Lindhurst. Lindhurst. Lakehurst. Uh, lakehurst lakehurst right uh lakehurst uh, that was of course a, a terrible tragedy is there anything left of that or are there any memorials or plaques or anything
2: well, there is a plaque in the middle of the field where the uh where the crest site was. They actually have rocks uh, that line where the whole place, uh, where the dirigible actually came down to the ground. And some people say that there's still scraps of the metal that they pulled off and pulled into the woods and never recovered. But uh, we've never really investigated whether that's true or not.
1: We're talking about ships and boats and uh, such like. Uh, I uh, grew up in Hawthorne and um i i just have to set
0: the scene here a little bit it's a personal story before you continue with the personal story we got to do our break and then we'll hear more about what bob sanati has to tell us mark skerman of weird new jersey and we'll give you all the info about how you can get yourself a copy of the magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast <laughs> Once again, the paracast.plus. Prices are just dollar 50 a week less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
17: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's
1: Gene Steinberg.
0: Bob Zanotti taking on his ghostly aspect. He's telling us a story about his weird history in weird New Jersey. Bob?
1: Okay, well, uh, I grew up in Hawthorne. And uh Hawthorne High School, where I, I went uh, to school, was very, very close by the mountain. We called it Hawthorne Mountain. It probably has some official name. I think uh, officially it's part of the Wachung Range of Mountains. And I used to, you know, a kid on his bicycle and I used to go all over the place on a bike. And I used to like to climb up the mountain by Swiss standards. I'm in Switzerland. Uh, It's not a mountain by Swiss standards, it's a hill. But by uh, New Jersey standards, it's a mountain. And up at the top of the mountain used to be uh, a quarry owned by a a guy by the name of Brain, B-R-A-E-N, I believe. And uh, there was a UFO sighting up there, which maybe we could discuss in a moment or two. But I used to like to hike it. I just enjoyed it climbing up there. I parked my bike down at, uh, you know, the bottom, just off uh, Goffle Road, Gothel Brook Park mm-hmm. and Goffle Road. And um, uh, yeah, I can hear you uh, uh, nodding in the background, Mark, you know, exactly what I'm going to come up with here. Cool. And I would park my bike and start walking up. And it was a part of New Jersey, or a part of Hawthorne, which I just didn't know existed. It was like another world. There was something like going into another dimension if you can imagine that. Uh, I lived in the built-up area, and the first thing I noticed, the first time I I did the hike up to Brain's Quarry, I came upon the creepiest little cemetery that was absolutely dilapidated. It was uh, disused. Well, disused, I mean, the dead dead are still there, but it was just uh, in disrepair and it was so creepy. And there was a house right next to it. And I thought to myself, who the heck would want to live in that house? It's so creepy. And it turns out that there's a little, it's an old Jewish cemetery. Maybe you can pick up the story when I leave it. But right next to a couple of houses away from that, another weird thing. And we called it, and in your, your writings, you call it the Hawthorne Boathouse. And the weirdest thing is, I mean, there's there's, there's no water there. It was called the Boathouse because somebody, and I I just don't know the story. I'm going to have to ask you what you know about it, but we never know or we never knew who lived there, but it was a weird place. Nobody wanted to go there. It looked like a boat. The architecture was like a, it looked like a, a boat. And I asked my aunt, who's 90 years old, uh, I asked her about this a couple of years ago. I said, "Hey, uh, Aunt Rufy, do you know anything about the boathouse up there by uh, the Goffle Road?" He said, "Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but it's a place you don't want to go to." <laughs> so that sets the scene, Mark. Uh, pick it up from there. That creepy cemetery and the boathouse. What do we know about it?
2: Well, when we visited the boathouse, probably about 25 years ago, it was totally abandoned and pretty much wrecked. I mean, I, I don't really... It looked like a tugboat, actually. It didn't look like a boat boat, you know? It looked like a tugboat. And uh, I, I don't... I'm, I, I'm sorry, Bob. I don't really know that much about it. Just that it's... We called it the Hawthorne Boathouse because we were doing a article on houses that look like... Not houses. So <laughs> It was the boathouse... Then we did the cookie jar house, and we did these other things. So to us, it was just this this place where these teenagers used to go and hang out and drink beer all the time.
1: Nothing particularly supernatural about it, then?
2: Uh, Not that I recall, no. I'm sorry. (laughs) But, you know,
1: I, I can't help but wonder. I mean, I'm not expecting you to come up with the answer, but just sort of wondering and thinking and musing out loud... Who built that place? What happened to them? I saw a a picture on your website, um, refrigerator abandoned, uh, you know, uh, a washing machine left in ruins. I mean, how does something like this happen? How does somebody just abandon a house like that?
2: Well, sometimes, you know, uh, people just die and uh, people just do not claim the property. And that's what happens to most of these houses that become abandoned. And, uh, you know, eventually it gets, uh, you know, graffitied up. And eventually, once it gets featured in the magazine, it usually gets burned down, which I believe it did.
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. It it was creepy. And what about that uh, that Jewish cemetery, an old Jewish cemetery? Do you know that story?
2: Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking of another Jewish cemetery that's kind of landlocked, but it's not in that area
1: and apparently uh, from from what i understand there's actually a second small very obscure cemetery there in the exactly the same the same place just a little bit farther down i don't know what was so attractive about putting a cemetery in there it's not wide open it's not very hospitable uh, there 's no place to park i mean it 's difficult to access i don 't know why anybody would want to put a cemetery there, but the 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 Jewish cemetery I mentioned is in uh, really bad shape as far as I know It was in bad shape you know sixty years ago when I was a kid
2: well you got to think of like when when was the cemetery built? Is it one hundred and fifty years old? Do people really get buried there anymore? Do people maintain the property and that's usually makes for the best creepy cemeteries, the ones that are overgrown and not kept up.
1: Well, this one could have been used as a as a Hollywood set. I mean, it was that creepy. Yeah. And there was another one just a couple of hundred feet away, apparently. Uh, I don't know if it was a Dutch cemetery. In fact, the name of the road, I didn't even know it had a road. I didn't even know there was a road there. A Dutch name, you know, because the Dutch were all over the place there at the, uh, one time. Uh, and these things are 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 ancient What what about other obscure cemeteries and weird graves in New Jersey? Got a couple of stories for us.
2: Well, you know, up in Newton, there's this place called the Cave Grave, and it was a cave. As you know, like northern New Jersey had a lot of mining operations, and there were a few kids that went into the cave and got lost and never came out again. So after they gave up the search finding these kids. They decided to put a big stone over the entrance of the cave, and they put the the kids' names on it. So that's kind of strange, right? That's a that's like a wow. weird grave site.
1: Very much, very much.
2: We have, re- the, yeah, we, go ahead. We have some great grave stones. You know, we have that Mercedes tombstone in Linden, which is a big scale model of a you know. Mercedes Benz
0: Mercedes ben, ben. Ford Z- <laughs> diesel When you mention Mercedes I think of the fact that they had these cheap lease prices for a new Mercedes back in the 80s and these were the worst built cars I ever drove
2: Well this one in the cemetery is made out of one piece of granite so it's not going very far Well <laughs> maybe I
0: should have bought that one but the ones I leased had gas engines not diesel engines so maybe that was well, my good
1: mistake to say, the- the guy buried underneath the car isn't going anywhere either. I mean.
2: <laughs> actually, the, actually, the the gravesite takes up fourteen plots. It's it's pretty impressive. I mean, it was built by uh, this guy whose son always wanted a Mercedes, but he died before he got his driver's license. So he decided to build this huge monument to his son, and it's uh, it's the most one of the most incredible things you would ever come across in a graveyard.
1: Isn't there one uh, 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 devoted to the Three Stooges?
2: Oh yes, that's that's another one too, right? I mean, only in New Jersey. Wouldn't you believe that? Mo, Larry, and Curly on the head of a tombstone.
0: So, whatever happened to Shemp?
2: Because the guy, because the guy loved the Three Stooges.
0: But unfortunately, he didn't get Shemp.
2: Well, I guess the, they couldn't afford a fourth head on the tombstone.
0: There'd be four stooges. Hey, we've got more to come. We're talking about Weird New Jersey. And you definitely want to check that out. In fact, and when we begin our next segment, we'll tell you how to get the magazine. Mark Skerman is one of the chief cooks and bottle washers. Bob Zanati is our special guest co-host this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. The Powercast. The Paracast.plus, to learn more about Paracast Plus.
18: It may feel like age is just a number, but the fact is, even if you're healthy and active, your immune system weakens as you get older. And if you're 65 or older, you're at an increased risk for potentially serious illnesses like pneumococcal pneumonia. One way to help protect yourself is to get immunized against vaccine-preventable diseases like pneumococcal pneumonia. Dr. Jorge Gomez shares more on behalf of the American Lung Association.
19: Pneumococcal pneumonia is a potentially serious bacterial lung disease that can disrupt your life for weeks. Adults 65 or older are over 10 times more likely to be hospitalized with pneumococcal pneumonia than adults 18 to 49. You may also be at increased risk if you have certain chronic health conditions such as asthma, diabetes, or heart disease. If you're 65 or older, vaccination can help prevent pneumococcal pneumonia.
18: This flu season, visit lung.org slash pneumococcal and talk to your doctor or pharmacist about pneumococcal vaccination.
3: Spend your life with
20: Extendovite. Extendivite really works. Here are some reviews from Amazon.com. John Hess, 5 out of 5 stars. Awesome. Probably my only review, but at age 40, I was getting bad heart drop and left arm pain, mainly before bed. I even stopped smoking and drinking sodas for a month, and that didn't work. After one day of taking Extendabite, it was gone and hasn't returned in three years. I've ordered Extendabite 13 times, so Amazon just said. Juliet Hordick. I've ordered this product before in liquid form. It is fantastic. My whole family's been on it. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com.
3: Extend your life with
13: Have you ever thought about turning your Glock, XD family, or 1911 handgun into a semi-automatic carbine? It only takes about 30 seconds. The MacTech Tech Carbine Upper is classified as an accessory and can be delivered right to your doorstep with no FFL or background check required. It's the world's most versatile pistol accessory. Build your custom upper today. Simply go to handgunconversion.com. That's handgunconversion.com.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
0: So, Mark, before we go on, we want to be commercial and crass here. If I want to get a copy of Weird New Jersey magazine, where do I find it?
2: You simply go to weirdnj.com. You'll have all your weird needs right there before you. We it's have a stories. weird
0: site, you're saying here.
2: Yeah, we have stories, we have the current events, and so forth and so on. And If you click on the store, you can see what we have for sale.
1: You know, I'd like to stay with the subject of obscure cemeteries and weird graves for a moment. Well, I, I spent my summers in Sussex County at Schwartzwood Lake, outside Newton. You mentioned Newton before. And by the way, when you drive into Newton from the classic, the old road, there's a small cemetery there, and I can remember the names on the gravestones when I was a, when I was a kid and later as an adult, not long ago, driving, doing you know the old tour of the area, the same gravestones, the same names there. I did an excursion across the border into uh, Pennsylvania. You're very close to Pennsylvania there, uh, the Delaware. This is a very historic area. And I remember going over to um, the Poconos. Now, anybody from the New York, New Jersey area knows the Poconos. They're on the Pennsylvania side. It's a, a very, very popular vacation area, recreation area on the, on the Pennsylvania side. And I remember driving uh, just along the Delaware on the Pennsylvania side, to a place called Lackawaxon. And the Lackawanna Railroad the, uh, goes through uh, just that area. We'll get to that in a moment, too. But I, I, I have to be careful how I tell the story. I was driving to Lackawaxon on this very, very deserted road, and... I had the need to take care of what we could euphemistically call personal maintenance. And there was nobody there. So, I mean, I wasn't (laughs) doing anything really bad. And anyway, I took care of that. And then I looked down and I saw tiny gravestones. At the edge of the road, on both sides of the edge of the road. The road apparently was paved right over an old, improvised graveyard. Not big headstones, you know, not these big monuments, but little things, you know, with names on them and everything else. And I thought to myself, wow, you know, what what have I done here? Where am I? Do we have anything like that in New Jersey, Mark?
2: Well, I think we have a lot of family graveyards you know i mean you know 100 years ago people used to bury their loved ones in a plot in the lower 40 or whatever so you know you have like uh you know graves like that i mean it, it sounds to me like it was a kind of like a like a children's grave or something uh, I, I,
1: well i had the impression they were adults but just hardly marked you know and there must have been a, maybe a dozen there. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they were children. But I thought it was really creepy, really creepy.
2: Well, I guess the Department of Transportation didn't worry too much about who was underneath the, the pavement when they put uh, it on.
1: Well, speaking of that, you know, um, the weird New Jersey, uh, the Garden State Parkway around Newark, the Garden State Parkway which is the basic? Well, this is the number two north-south route all the way to Cape May, goes right through a huge cemetery around Newark, and I often wondered, did they remove the graves, or did they pave over them, or what? You know where I mean, uh, Mark? Of course.
2: Yes, uh, yes it's right. Uh, it was right by where the Ballantyne uh, Brewery was. No, I'm sorry, Pabst Brewery was. Right? Exactly,
1: oh. and the the Pabst Brewery, there was a big beer bottle on top of the brewery yeah, yeah. and said, Pabst. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I believe yeah. when the parkway came through in the 1950s, they did move all those graves. But, you know, you always gotta wonder, uh, you know, are you sure they got all of them? And, and I think they moved them over to the west side. That's why that other cemetery is on the other side.
0: Uh-huh. You're sounding like the plot it, line of the movie Coltergeist. Yeah, right? Where they have built these new homes and they're haunted, and it turns out at the end of the movie, we learn, well, they took the tombstones, but they didn't take the graves when they moved the cemetery.
2: You know, it's funny. I'm, uh, I live in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and I'm also on the Historical Society. And I, I, I looked through a lot of pictures on when the parkway came through Bloomfield. And they tore up a lot of our town, too. But I've never seen any photos of them actually moving the graves in Newark to build the parkway. So that would be interesting to see if we could find some of those photos, you know, actually seeing them, you know, taking up the bodies and moving them. Maybe but,
1: that would be uh, one of your uh, research projects, going around doing some research to find out
2: actually,
1: if anybody's actually, seen anything weird around there.
2: Actually, it is. We always have a list of things we, we want to get to, but we just never do, because <laughs> there's always something else happening.
1: Uh, you're in Bloomfield. Do they still make charms candies in Bloomfield?
2: No, that's that's gone years ago. Really? Yeah. Now it's a, now the building is a Staples.
1: Oh, that's a pity. Charms used to they, be they pretty to, good. Yeah. they were the competition to uh, Lifesavers.
2: Before Charms, they used to make World War One ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Listen, uh, we can maybe move over a little bit. To UFOs, because the paracast, the, the, the true love of the paracast is ufology. Uh, okay. and, and we have our stories uh, in New Jersey about UFOs. What stories have you researched about uh, you know UFO stories, Mark? Mark, uh, the paracast, uh, the, the, the great passion of the paracast is ufology. UFOs. And I think uh, we have our share of UFO uh, stories in New Jersey.
2: Well, you got to remember, New Jersey ranks number 14 in the United States of uh, UFO sightings. And you got to remember, you know, we have a military base here, we're close to the water. So, yeah, we have a lot of UFO sightings here. I think the most famous one was the one uh, at the Wanaku Reservoir.
1: Well, we have to um, put a, a frame around that because, uh, Gene, um, I, I don't know. Do we want to spill the beans? I have, in the Coffee Clutch series, Augie Roberts and I went to Wannacue, the Wannacue Reservoir, which was not far from Franklin Lakes. That was in Wannacue, New Jersey, where there was a, a major UFO sighting. It was a flap. Back in, I believe, 1966, and it was in the winter. Yes.
2: Yeah, January 11th,
11: 1966,
1: was the oh. big day, uh, and it was freezing cold. Augie and I went out there. Uh, there was a police officer there with radar set up, and everybody was looking for this thing. Uh, before I go into my story, and we have
0: a, we can offer a feature here. You know what? After let's do a break fire. now, uh, and we'll get okay. people really, really. Queued up for more about Wanacue. So for Paracast Plus listeners exclusively, on the next After the Powercast, we will feature an exclusive set of interviews that Bob Zanati and August C. Roberts did of Witnesses to Wanacue way back in 1966. We got more to come with Mark and Gene and Bob. You're in The
17: Paracast. <laughs> USA Radio News with Chris Barnes.
11: Over 200 world leaders reach a deal at the UN Climate Summit in Glasgow, Scotland, as it wraps up on Saturday. Hearing no objections,
7: it is so decided.
11: That's the president of the gathering, Alan Sharma, making the announcement as countries decided to step up their efforts on climate change over the coming year by bolstering their 2030 climate targets. It's looking to be a busy day for news on this upcoming Monday. Monday to start the week, former Trump advisor Steve Bannon expected to turn himself in on Monday morning after being indicted for contempt of Congress. Closing arguments will begin Monday morning in the Kyle Rittenhouse double homicide trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin. President Biden will be signing the infrastructure bill at the White House at a big event in the afternoon, and then on Monday evening, he'll have a virtual summit with the Chinese President Xi Jinping. This is USA Radio News. A U.S. appeals court reaffirming its decision to place an order by President Biden regarding mandatory COVID-19 vaccines for workers at businesses with 100 or more employees is on hold. A three-person panel of the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals upholding the decision, calling the mandate fatally flawed. The decision may soon be appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Biden administration is also under fire from many Republicans for its handling of the economy lately, especially when it comes to inflation concerns. Republican North Carolina a congressman Ted Budd is proposing a bill to require that all members of the Biden administration take a class
7: about inflation. I think the Biden administration needs to go back to school to study inflation. And that's what my bill does. It's absolutely out of touch with regular America. And it's hurting folks day in and day out.
11: He spoke on Fox News and this is USA Radio News.
16: Hi, Peter Peccaro for ParanormalDate.com.
11: This is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the
15: gold standard of paranormal radio.
0: Now, just remember what Bob says there. wanna Q, happening in January of 1966. And I was out there at the reservoir. I'll tell my story very quickly, because then we'll get into more of this and maybe give a hint of some things we have and the winds from those who want to subscribe to the PowerCast Plus. The situation here is I go out there and Jim Mosley is with me. And I think Augie was also with me at this particular point in time, Augie Roberts. And I couldn't stop freezing. I had my jacket and everything and I was shivering. And all I wanted to do was get off that road on top of the reservoir and get back in Jim's car and get the engine running. I just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, Sorry.
1: believe me, I, I know exactly where you're coming from because uh, shortly thereafter, only a few days later, Augie and I went up there and did a repeat performance with an additional aspect to it. It was like a bridge, you know, across the reservoir. And by the way, the Wanaku Reservoir, if I'm correctly informed, is the biggest reservoir in the state of New Jersey. Huge, absolutely huge. Prior to this, There had been weird lights seen flying over the reservoir, I think, at low level, uh, at high speed, and this was reported by a number of people, and it had been witnessed also by the reservoir police, who are attached to the New Jersey State Police, so we had some reputable witnesses. Augie and I, for Coffee Clutch, you know, my, my show back in the 60s, we went there. And it was absolutely bitter cold. It was terrible. And the wind was blowing. And this was January. And January in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, can be horrendously cold. (laughs) And we stood there. I had the, the recording. He and I just standing there doing a running commentary, waiting for something to happen. And that went on for a while. But to get to the point, we didn't see anything. I don't know about your story gene if you saw anything
0: all i did was freeze <laughs> all you did was freeze <laughs> i think they changed me into an icicle or maybe i was <laughs> becoming like the character in the batman comics who was infected by one of the inventions from mr freeze <laughs> well let me let me you ask remember you a mr. Th- mr freeze folks at all let me ask you a
2: question how come there were so many eyewitnesses that saw this thing above the reservoir some people say they saw it go into the water, right. Uh, somebody must have been reporting these stories somewhere, correct?
1: It was in the uh, the Bergen Record, which was a major newspaper. you know the Bergen record uh, sure. mark uh, It was a very serious newspaper there uh, I think even uh, New York television came. I'm not sure who anymore that night that we were there, freezing our tails off, we didn't see anything, but here comes the punchline. Augie and I, after freezing our tails off, made our way to the, uh, the police station there at the reservoir. And we interviewed eyewitnesses, police officer and mm-hmm. another eyewitness. We are going to be featuring that exclusive interview. And it was exclusive interview, eyewitnesses
0: on Paracas Plus. That indeed is the case. And you have to... If you're not a member of PowerCast Plus, check out the PowerCast.plus for more sign-up information from the archives of Bob Zanotti. I'll tell you one more story about Ronicky. okay? Bob and I knew this character named Jim Mosley. Mark, I don't know if you knew him or not.
2: Uh, I've spoken with him, yes.
0: Okay, so he, especially in the early days, had a penchant for playing jokes on people. And I remember this, and Jim later denied it, but I'll just drop it in there, okay? So Jim decided one day, uh, we're at his home, or his apartment, I think it was in Fort Lee at the time. He decides, I'm going to call this police department and fake a UFO sighting. This was probably around January of 1966. And what police department do you think he called? Ramapo. Before the sighting occurred, how do you explain that? Well, I don't know.
2: You know, we have all these testimonies from these people that actually saw something bright above the lake, uh, the the reservoir, and uh, it was in beams coming out from it.
1: That's it, exactly is it, it. Is it. In fact, it? there were newspaper uh, depictions in those days, you know, they, they did hand drawings. And they all showed a, uh, an object with beams coming out of it, um, beaming down into the water.
2: So then who did witness this? I don't think Mosley made it up and everybody else had a, a mass hysteria witness on this. Something must have happened.
0: Jim's contribution was strictly one phone call about a sighting. He had nothing to do with anything else there. I mean, it's not that he hasn't invented or hadn't invented cases, hadn't invented, in one case, a movie of a model that they called the Lost Creek UFO. Certainly, he pulled stunts. Let's put it that way. But in this case, it was just a weird, weird coincidence. People did report something, obviously.
1: Well, Gene, I was just going to say, I mean, we we know Jim. He was always up for a hoax. But uh, that would be one explanation, were it not for the fact that Augie Roberts and I interviewed a police officer and another eyewitness who described this in detail. So there was something physically there. It was not just Jim Mosley making it up.
0: Well, I never thought it was. I just thought he just glommed onto something. And it was one of those things where he could have called lots of places with fake UFO reports. But of all the places he could have called, one, he picks a distant place in New Jersey and he picks it on the same time frame as something real happening. I don't think there's any psychic explanation. I just think it's a crazy coincidence.
1: It's a crazy coincidence. And, of course, Jim, I don't mean this pejoratively, but Jim was a city slicker. He was not a country boy. And why would he come up with Wannacue, of all places? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, wait a minute. It just came to me, stream of consciousness. Augie had a relation in Wannacue. Lived near the reservoir, and later in his life, in his last years of life, Augie actually lived at Wanekew, New Jersey, just at the edge of the reservoir. In fact, I assume he's actually buried there. So maybe that was the idea to, that Jim got indirectly from Augie—that uh, Augie maybe mentioned Wanekew or something like that. But anyway, this sound document is there, and we're going
0: to—we'll be putting it up after the Paracast, right, Gene? Definitely put it up, and then those of you who listen can get a sense of actual witnesses to an actual case, and Uh, also how Bob and Augie would compile information like this. Augie and
1: I were a great
0: team, I must say. Go ahead, Mark.
2: Uh, Interestingly enough, on October 10th, 1966, about six months after the Iwanaki Reservoir, the exact same thing happened. These lights appeared over the, over the reservoir again. Police stations were jammed with calls saying these UFOs are back.
1: Well, I remember going back to Hawthorne, my hometown. We had a flap. I couldn't tell you the year anymore. It was maybe, you know, 58, 59, maybe 60. Night after night after night above Brains Quarry on the Hawthorne Mountain, as we used to call it, orange lights were seen floating around there almost every single night. The Patterson Evening News, which was a major newspaper at the time, is now defunct. But the Patterson Evening News was running an an ongoing report about it, and they were getting readers' accounts. I wrote to them because I saw the lights myself, and I didn't see any beams of light coming down from them. But it was like Orange fireflies up there, big, you know, balls of orange light, orange, uh, reddish orange light floating around above the uh, brain's quarry. And that was many, many years ago, and I can't think of what it possibly could have been.
3: We've
0: got more to come with Bob and Jean and Mark. You're in the
13: Paracast. <laughs>
1: Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R O C K O I D
17: S.com.
19: If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why we now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Do you have a home that you
9: don't want anymore? We can buy it from you within 24 hours. Any home, size, or condition. For over 20 years, we've been buying homes for cash and helping homeowners sell their homes immediately with no listings or strangers walking through your home. Are you moving? Did you lose your job? Going through a divorce? Whatever the reason, if you're in a bind and you know that you need to sell your house fast, call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. We'll make you a serious cash offer to buy your your home in 24 hours and let you walk away from it. No listing, no waiting. Sell any home, any size, any condition now. Call the expert team at I Need to Sell My House Fast. Make this free call now. 800-475-0092.
16: 800-475-0092. 800-475-0092. That's 800-475-0092.
14: Take Jake's advice. Give Federal Tax Management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the Federal Tax Management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Hi, this is James Fox. You're listening to the Paracast,
16: the gold standard of paranormal radio.
0: Let us continue with that story, Bob. Yeah, well, I mean, I
1: I saw that. I witnessed it. We went outside and we can see them. I mean, uh, it was maybe from where I lived in Hawthorne, which was not a big place, the 16,000 people at the time. It's about the same now. Uh, Typical, um, you know, New Jersey suburbia, New York area. But the night sky was pretty dark and we could see these things. And they just sort of floated around. And there was no organization, no order to them. They just sort of floated around there. And I never heard of an explanation. But I remember Augie in one of the coffee clot shows talking about the lights that had been seen around Burns Quarry. In fact, Dom Lucchesi, another of the New York regulars, was talking about the case. He recalled it in one of my shows as well, and I have no idea. I'm not claiming that this is related, but Augie brought it up hypothetically and said, "Up in Ringwood, West Milford, Ringwood, just around the the, the state line with uh, with uh, New York State, there was a um, a fighter jet." A jet aircraft, a military aircraft, which crashed in the woods. And Augie asked hypothetically and rhetorically, what was it chasing? Now, I know you have featured that story, Mark, in Weird New Jersey. What do we know about that crashed aircraft, which I think is still in the woods?
2: It is. It, I, it, I think it crashed uh, in 1967 in West Milford. I, I think it was on a routine, like, training mission. It was like one of these Lockheed Martin Sea uh, star trainers or whatever. Um, I don't think the pilot died, but what exactly was it doing? What training mission was it going after to be in the, the middle of West Milford, right?
1: Well, that's exactly what Augie was speculating. What were they doing up there? Why would they be in West Milford? And what Air Force base did they come from? We didn't have an Air Force base <laughs> around there.
2: Not close by, anyway. A lot of times, you know... Uh, today, like, people see a lot of strange things in the sky they can't explain. Uh, you can sometimes attribute it to drones, lanterns, things like that. But, you know, in the early 60s, they didn't have drones. They didn't have these these things up in the air. So uh, I'm thinking maybe, you know, if these things are alien crafts, you know, we've been admitting uh, radio waves for the last 125 years out into space. And they travel hundreds of light years away. So if the aliens want to come down and and look at us, they they know where to find us. We're we're constantly sending out all these like these radio waves. So maybe they're just like these things are observing us. Maybe they're satellites. Uh, You know, when do you think we're actually going to make contact?
1: Well, Mark, that's a brilliant point that you make. Uh, today, we could say, oh, that's, you know, somebody was fooling around with uh, drones or, right. uh, you know, lanterns. Uh, that, nobody did that back in the 60s.
2: No, and, uh, you know, if UFOs have been witnessed for 100 years. I mean, from, you know, the, the big cigar-shaped things and everything else. So what exactly are these things uh, doing?
1: Well, if you go back into the Vedic literature of India, it goes back 6,000 years, they talk about it. And, you know, it's not a new phenomenon. You know, in the same vein and in the same part, northern New Jersey, near the, the state line, there's so much there that's really weird, Um New Jer- Southern New Jersey, like the, the Jersey Devil, we can get into that, the Pine Barrens and the Jersey Devil in a few minutes. But let's stick in northern New Jersey, this exactly the same area. If you got a map, does anybody have a map anymore these days or look it up? Uh, Ringwood, uh, New Milford. Uh, I remember my father taking me to abandoned iron mines around that area in, in Ringwood. Mawa. Uh, West Milford, all in there, and there are lots of abandoned mines. And another friend of mine, who unfortunately is no longer with us, Bill Paris, and a, a very dear school friend of mine from high school and uh, a regular, well, he was appeared on my show a number of times. Um, he and I have talked, swapped stories about these abandoned mines. And he has he's told me stories of uh, uh, of hikers in that area who have gone into the mines. And at one point, uh, one of them, a, a small party of, uh, of, um, of adventurers went into the mines and turned around and went back because they heard weird sounds and light coming from uh, the bottom of the mines. Uh, Deros, there they are. You found the deeros. Uh, well, I mean, you're, you made the point, Gene. Uh, Mark, uh, what stories do you have about these abandoned mines and possible weird things going on down there?
2: Well, you got to remember, uh, you know, with, with these, a lot of these mines, you know, the conditions weren't very great. And I'm sure a lot of people died in these mines uh, trying to take, uh, you know, the copper or, or whatever or they were taking out of it. So, and I'm sure a lot of people just got left behind and never really, you know, came out again. And we do have a lot of, like, ghost tours in mines now. There's this one great mine uh, in, in Hibernia up by Rockaway. It's, it's closed off now, but uh, on top of it is an abandoned graveyard of the miners who used to work in the, in the, in the mines. And it's just, it's just this abandoned graveyard out in the woods on top of the mine, on top of the mountain, and it's just a really weird place to go to.
1: I wonder, Gene, uh, you know, you, we talk about the Darrow's, this underground race of beings. I mean, Jack Robinson was the great uh, authority on the Darrow's, uh, the Shaver mystery, you know, going back to the 50s. Uh, actually, the 40s,
0: wasn't it? it? Was the 40s or was it the 50s, the Shaver mystery? It, it, it was the 40s when Shaver wrote a letter to Ray Palmer, uh, editor of Amazing Stories, a sci-fi magazine. And that's when it all started. Now, Shaver is somebody I knew in the final years of his life and interviewed. I just wish we had a recording of that interview. It was done on a cassette machine. And it's probably lying here somewhere in a box. And maybe it's retrievable and maybe not. But he was interesting, Shaver. He told his story really straight, really serious, And he had this very subtle sense of humor that we didn't hear till the end of the interview. Mm. He was convinced
1: that uh, these underground beings existed.
0: Well, he paints this entire story of some kind of cataclysm thousands of years ago. And the people who were left behind when much of the population flew off planet... Stayed in the caves. Two races, Diros and Tiros. The Tiros being the good guys, the Diros being the bad guys who succumbed to the radiation and became horrible, disfigured dwarfs. Well, what can we
1: say? I mean, uh, uh, I don't know how reputable the people were who told Bill Paris the story. But he said it it told me in all sincerity, and the people who told him were were absolutely scared out of their wits and ran out of the cave. They heard, like, uh, engine noises down there and lights and noises uh, of all kinds. Uh, You know, the cynic would say or the skeptic would say, oh, it's some kind of secret military thing down there. I don't believe that. I, I just don't believe that. Anybody who's been to those caves, there's no evidence of military whatsoever. Uh, I don't see any military connection. And there's no evidence in those caves or those, those, um, those mines, I should say, not caves, but the mines of any kind of commercial activity. Uh, going back to that crashed aircraft in the same area, Mark, does anybody have any any reasonable idea about why they should the the military should just leave it there that seems like a pretty messy thing to do just leave it there
2: well, don't they I want to take it away because where it landed was in such a remote area it would well it crashed it was just a, a bunch of metal so there really wasn't much sense in taking it out so they just left it there i mean when we went to see it, it's, it's, it's in the middle of a swamp. It's in the middle of a tick-infested area. So why would you even want to go back there and, and retrieve it? Because there was really nothing left of it.
1: Right. Okay. Um, speaking of UFOs and New Jersey, we have to bow our heads
0: in reverence to Howard Menger. Now, Howard Menger is a long story in and of itself. So for the time being... Well will heads to Howard Manager in a moment
2: after this we'll break. Old time uh, space uh,
0: conventions, right? Something like that. Yes, more to come with Gene, Mark, and Bob. You're in the Paracast.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN.
1: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
14: Steinberg.
0: Yes, Howard Menger, he was once named the Jersey Adamski because the alleged aliens he allegedly met up with, all this alleged conversation, were similar to the ones that, adamski met up with bob
1: yeah well i I never met uh, Howard menger, I remember of course he was a uh, a regular on the Long John show you know there was no Skype in those days if you went on the when you went on the Long John Nebel show, who was the um precursor of coast to coast and all of the latter day saints of of the paranormal uh that was New York City, you know on Highbridge, New Jersey was a, a pretty pretty good trek from <laughs> to New York. Uh you had to make a major effort to go there and yet he appeared a number of times. In fact, I have a, a a CD-ROM here that somebody sent me. Can't think of who it was who sent me dozens and dozens of old Long John shows and Howard Menger was there. Howard Menger, if I recall, was a, a commercial sign painter. And Mark, I think you were making the point that he, uh, he had conventions there at one point, didn't he?
2: Right. And he would invite people from all over to uh, – it, it was more like a – it was. It was a convention. They weren't really going to see any aliens or anything. It was just a, a convergence of people with like minds that wanted to discover it and talk about it.
1: Well, uh, a few moments ago in the last segment, we were talking about abandoned mines and weird noises and lights and so on. I remember going back to that story I, I, I was telling about the uh, my father brought me to the mines you know, just for fun. You know, went there on, once on a Sunday. He was a great hiker and a woodsman, and he knew the area very well. I remember there was a, uh, a railroad line. I think it was a spur of the... Uh, The Lackawanna Railroad that went through there, that was abandoned. And this brings to mind stories, which I've heard, about ghost trains and ghost railroads in New Jersey. Have you got one or two juicy stories for us, Mark?
2: A lot of people hear trains coming down the tracks that aren't there. And, of course, you must have heard about the legend of the hooker man. Is that correct? You've heard that?
1: I have not heard it where we're
2: all ears. You see this ghostly light appear above the tracks. And uh, it's kind of like the Marfa lights. It's kind of like all those other like brown hill lights where you see this light, but you can never really connect with it. And, you know, the legend is, uh, you know, a train conductor lost his arm and he's carrying a lantern trying to find his lost arm along the railroad track. We actually have photos of these lights and they're kind of really weird. A lot of people believe it has to do with some kind of uh, magnetic uh, activity in the ground and the tracks themselves that produce these weird, dull balls of light above the tracks.
1: And where where is, what part of uh, the state is it?
2: Well, this one is in Flanders. It's called the Flanders-Hookerman tracks.
1: And that's North Jersey.
2: Yes. These things appear a lot uh, that's why I'm saying, It has to be some kind of uh, explanation of this, because these these lights appear above uh, a lot of railroad tracks. And they think it's like something with the the rocks underneath the uh, train tracks are magnetic, and they create, when the conditions are right, they create this kind of like ball lightning that travels up and down the tracks, which is probably even scarier than actually seeing a ghost.
1: But that doesn't explain the the sound of trains. Uh, what would account for that, except a, a supernatural explanation?
2: Well, it would have to be supernatural, I guess, right?
1: Right. That's 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 the thing. Uh, speaking of trains, um, this is not particularly supernatural or paranormal, but again, weird New Jersey. We we go back to that uh, to the Delaware River which separates New Jersey and uh, Pennsylvania there's the famous Delaware Water Gap which is where where two mountains come together there's like a valley there um a gap in other words and the Delaware River mm-hmm. comes it, it starts from there actually and then come, goes through there was a railroad line it still exists uh, it, it's still active uh the Lackawanna Railroad it's the um um the Delaware um, spur or branch of the Lackawanna railroad yeah. and there was a um, at least one maybe even two uh train accidents there derailments and apparently the locomotive or some of the cars are still lying in the river there or uh, just south of the uh, of the water gap
2: well it was probably easier to leave them in the river than uh to take them <laughs> drag them out yeah um, there was one very famous uh, thing that happened in Hackettstown up there in Rockport, and they, they called it the Hackettstown Death Train, which happened in 1925. And I, for some reason, it, it was a, I think it was a rock slide or something, and, and it derailed all these trains, and there was hundreds of people dead, and they they still couldn't account for all the bodies.
1: Wow. I remember that there was a, also a train wreck on um am I right, the Pulaski Skyway. Is that a, a railroad bridge or there's another or is, is there another railroad bridge uh close to there going across uh, Newark Bay?
2: Yes. Uh, they're all kind you, of connected.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know the the you know the uh, the accident I'm I'm thinking of. Uh the train went down and there was quite a bit of loss of life.
2: Right. Is that the one where uh, it was some kind of lottery number came out and everybody played it and won? I can't remember the whole story. I don't either. The number of the train, uh, and I guess I didn't know they had like a lottery in the 1950s, but for some reason that number came up somewhere.
1: Speaking of the uh, Pulaski Skyway, for those... uh who are not from New Jersey, and I think most of the audience probably is not. This is a worldwide broadcast, so we have to bear that in mind. The Pulaski Skyway is a rather unattractive but very practical bridge span across Newark Bay, which is very important. Yes. And uh, I remember reading in Weird New Jersey that there is a belief or theory, I don't know how much proof there is, maybe you can enlighten us, that the notorious Jimmy Hoffa, who disappeared many, many years ago, never to be seen or heard of again, Uh, fell in with the mafia or (laughs) fell out with the mafia, Uh, the former uh, head of the Teamsters Union, may be buried somewhere in that area. What do you know about that?
2: Yeah, supposedly he is, well, maybe parts of him are buried in the Meadowlands somewhere over there. Uh, We're not really sure. Uh, Some people say he's buried at uh, one of the uh, goalposts at at the MetLife Stadium where it used to be Brendan Byrne Stadium, whatever. Uh, but uh, I, I supposedly, I think Jimmy Hopper might be in a few different places in New Jersey. <laughs> Although <laughs> uh, uh, we'll never know that. But, uh,
0: unfortunately, Geraldo Rivera doesn't know either.
2: I'm sure he's not the only mobster buried in New Jersey somewhere.
0: What I was saying is, unfortunately, Geraldo Rivera didn't know either. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have
2: to, as a, as a Jerseyan,
1: uh, we all know this. Uh, I think of The Sopranos. They brought this out in the series. But, you know, people talk about the New York mafia, and they say it's all centered around Little Italy and down downtown New York, you know, uh, Mulberry Street and all of this. Not true at all. In fact, um, I, I don't want to go into details, but uh, journalistically, I had contacts um i'm not part of the mafia but i had contacts with the mafia and they all tell me the the little soldati you know the the guys who uh the soldiers they've told me that the 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 real seat of the of the new york mafia is new jersey and just around sort of our part of the world mark yes um, you know you remember, I remember, you- I remember seeing one of the sopranos. Uh, we didn't have them over here; they were only sporadic. But I remember one of them, um, and you'll you'll smile. You know exactly what I'm talking about and where I'm talking about.
0: Before you find out what Bob is talking about, we've got to do this pause—the pause that pause refreshes with Mark, Jean, and Bob. You're in the Paracast. <laughs>
14: Jake was in big trouble with the IRS.
15: He owed how much? 92
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
0: I once lived in an apartment complex in Little Neck, New York, that I thought, was owned by a family with certain ties. Go on, Bob. You know they—they it's a lot of white glove mafia
1: business. You know they're not—they uh, don't play dirty like they did uh, in Al Capone's area. They're business people now, you know. But anyway, in one of the episodes of the um, Sopranos, I—I <laughs> I, I, I smiled to myself because it was around Caldwell, um, and Saddle Brook, and Lodi. And you know exactly where all these places are, uh, uh, Mark. And they showed in the background the transmitting tower, the antenna of WABC New York 770, which I could see from, uh, from Hawthorne. You know, you could see the, uh, uh, the red, uh, warning lights on top of the antenna. That is the real heart of the New York mafia. It's in New Jersey. If I, if I look back to the kids in my class, I mean, look at me. I've got an Italian name. I, at least 80% of all the kids I went to school with had Italian names, and they were all from southern Italy. Little Italy is not in New York. It's in New Jersey, northern New Jersey. You know what I mean, Mark. You're a native.
2: Uh, I think you're right, Bob. I mean, uh, you know, we were only across the river, and uh, sometimes uh, New York was uh, too hot of a spot to hang out in, so everybody came to New Jersey to uh, to hang out.
1: Yeah. You know, they had friends in high places in New Jersey and uh, one hand washed the other and everything else. By the way, I got to ask you something. In, in one of the shows I talked about earlier in the show, uh, I, when I say the show, I mean, I'm talking about Coffee Clutch, my my old show from the 60s. I talked about earlier in the in the Paracast um, with Ivan Sanderson. I had the amazing Randy as one of the panelists there, one of the one of the the members of the of the uh, of the discussion, and he talked about something I, I'd never heard of before. He talked about the Dutch copper mines, and I, from the way he was talking. Uh, it must have been somewhere in Warren County, the northwestern part of the state, the tri-state area where Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and New York come together. And apparently, from the, in the 1700s, the Dutch settlers, and we had a lot of Dutch in New Jersey, as you know, they had copper mines. There's copper in New Jersey, and they built some kind of a uh, a railroad to transport the copper ore down to a lower altitude i don't know from where to where that i don't know uh i'd have to listen to the show again so i'm not really equipped to 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 tell you with authority but they were mining the ore put it in some kind of a of a car you know a railroad car and then sent it down and gravity would pull it down to wherever it was going they had a brakeman on board or
2: something uh, have you
1: heard that story
2: mark yeah. Um, no, I haven't. I always thought uh, the Dutch were mining uh, copper in the um, Hudson County, Bergen County area. I know specifically in um, North Arlington, uh, the Dutch uh, built a lot of copper mines there. Uh, you know, dug out a lot of copper mines. And one time, one of these sinkholes opened up, and I believe they put in some old, I want to say a locomotive engine into the into the sinkhole and buried it in the ground. And a, wow. lot, and a lot of times these days, uh, if you live in North Arlington, you run the risk of having a sinkhole in your backyard. One street, the whole street just went down into a big hole.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh, in the same vein, Mark, um, there is a story which is, Really, literally and figuratively very close to me, to my heart. And let's go to Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, where I grew up. I grew up in Hawthorne and Franklin Lakes. There is a main thoroughfare there called Route 208 that was built i think back in the uh the 60s or the, the late 50s or 60s and it's a very important route it brought people out from uh, from from the new york area all the way out to uh, uh franklin lakes Wyckoff, oakland and beyond it it terminates in oakland and i was reading something which i can identify with, but I had no knowledge of myself. The so-called Gravity Road. And this is a ramp, and I know it. If I understood your story correctly, I used to use it regularly because I lived, we lived at Tanglewood Court just off Ewing Avenue, E-W-I-N-G, Ewing Avenue. And there's a ramp on Route 208, that leave uh, the Ewing Avenue ramp, and the weird thing is, cars roll up the ramp without any power. You got to tell us that story.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, that's a very well known gravity road in New Jersey. Now, there's a lot of you know legends. Some people say, "Oh, it's a there's a very tragic bus accident at the end, and the school children." Push the car back up the hill to stay away from the accident. That's not really what it is. I mean, I don't want to bust burst your bubble, but it's actually a you know an optical illusion. It just, it just And believe me, do not try it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're from uh, New Jersey, do not try this because we tried it once and we got a hundred and twenty-five dollar uh, moving violation fine because it's illegal to back up an off ramp. In New Jersey, okay.
1: <laughs> so you found out the hard way.
2: Yes, but, but, but what
1: what is the phenomenon, Mark? How does it work?
2: Well, it's, it's uh, you have the illusion that you're yet that you put your car in neutral and you back up the hill, but it really is it is an optical illusion. Uh, you know, and we have a few of these in New Jersey. There's like um, there's something in Homedale called Thrill Hill, which is does the same effect. And there's place in Titusville. That they, uh, you know, it does the same effect. Your car backs up, but it's it's nothing supernatural. But it's as we feature in Weird New Jersey, there's places you can go to get a thrill. But it's uh, (laughs) it's just what it is.
1: Let's change the venue again, and let's go down south to the shore area again. Um, Let's go to Asbury Park, the old boardwalk out now. For those who do not know, New Jersey is one coastline. All the way from from the, the the whole state is on is on water, either the Hudson River or the Atlantic Ocean.
3: Peninsula.
1: Yeah, really, that's what it is. You're absolutely right. And um, as we said a long time ago, you know, we Jerseyans we don't we don't go to the beach; we go down the shore. And you go down the shore to Asbury Park, and I remember we used to go as kids to Asbury Park. It was maybe about 45 minutes, maybe an hour from Hawthorne. We would go down there. I had an uncle and an aunt who lived in Red Bank, which was close by. And it was a
0: real respectable boardwalk. We'll bring back the memories of Asbury Park, New Jersey, where I have not been in probably 60 years Bob, Gene, Mark, Mark, of course, is with Weird, New Jersey, WeirdNJ.com. You're in the Paracast.
8: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
5: Do you want to give you and your loved ones premium nutrition right now? Hi, I'm Jamel Bookaboo from TeamGaday.com and the GCN Younggevity Health Team. Get your premium nutrition formulated by world-renowned naturopathic doctor, Dr. Joel Wallach at wholesale, or also become a distributor and earn income while supporting this broadcast. Go to TeamGaday.com via the shopping cart or contact form, and I'll get back to you with support personally. That's TeamGaday.com with teamgeday.com.
13: USA Radio News. I'm Brad
20: Bernards. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has warned Russian President Vladimir Putin he would be making a serious mistake if he invaded Ukraine and Kamala Harris at the eyes of the world are on the Belarus border as the Biden administration waded into the chaos in Eastern Europe.
13: On the issue of, of Belarus and what is happening at the border with Poland, we are very concerned about that. And closely paying attention
20: to it. And President Joe Biden issued his own expression of concern as he left the White House for Camp David on Friday. Hackers compromised an external email system of the FBI. Spam House Project, a watchdog group tracking spam and similar cyber threats, announced Saturday. The messages came from a legitimate email address with Spam House saying that these emails are fake. This is USA Radio News. Washington Post writer Jennifer Rubin on Saturday called for rules that would prohibit media outlets from treating Republicans as normal.
17: The mainstream media is part of this. They cover these issues, and then they go right back to having Republicans on talk shows, asking them about other issues, um, allowing them to air their phony grievances, rather than grilling them incessantly about why they tolerate this behavior. This is fascistic behavior. This is what fascist regimes do.
20: Rubin attacked President Trump with lies and lashed out at Republican Representatives Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene. President Joe Biden's administration on Friday announced it is raising Medicare premiums, a move it blamed in part on the cost of drugs. The Medicare Part B standard monthly premium will rise by nearly $22 to $170.10 next year, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services said. This is USA Radio News.
12: We've entered a time where sky truly is the limit and opportunity awaits. The Internet has become a platform of everyone's worldwide communications. Billionaires building businesses on platforms that didn't even exist a generation ago. But in the sea of noise, how can the voice of your business be heard? The secret is over a 100 years old. Radio. 228% more effective than TV. That's 228% more effective than television. Brick and mortar and cyber businesses alike have found radio to be the most effective for building a brand and delivering customers. Learn the secrets of radio advertising by calling 877-996-4327 or email advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com.
15: Hi, this is Joshua P. Warren, author of The Poor Man's Paranormal, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold
19: standard of paranormal radio.
0: Yes, Asbury Park. Tell us more about As- Zanotti.
1: Okay, well, Asbury Park. I mean, that's where uh, Bruce Springsteen. That was his old stomping ground. He wasn't from Asbury Park. I forget where he was from, but close by, Freehold. Freehold, right? Absolutely. It's it's just in the neighborhood. What was it? The Pony. It's called the Iron Pony, or what is it called? That bar down there. I think it was called the Stone Pony, Stone Pony, the stone I knew it was something hard. Uh apparently he still goes down there every once in a while. He's a, he's a turncoat, you know. He's he, he he sings about New Jersey. He's New Jersey. He's Mr. New Jersey through and through, but he lives in Los Angeles, you know. <laughs> but he occasionally when he's in town, uh, apparently he, he still goes to the Stone Pony where he used to he used to have gigs. And picks up a guitar and just spontaneously puts on a show, but there it used to be a real boardwalk, which uh, when I was there last time was gone. It I was guess. in ruins.
2: Right, Asbury Park is slowly coming back. I mean, uh, you can't probably even afford a house in Asbury Park right now. Twenty, twenty-five years ago, it was pretty much a ghost town. I mean, it was just it was dilapidated, or all buildings were falling down. So it's really has come back in the last twenty five years, and now it's 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 almost it's prime real estate again. So it's it's coming back to like what it used to be.
1: But there's no boardwalk, and there are no uh, concessions, and
2: there are a few, but not a lot.
1: Not a lot. But the one thing that I I wanted to bring up. And do you have it uh, in weird New Jersey. And I, I always thought it was weird myself and wondered about it. A figure that, that you call Tilly. When I was down there, maybe about 15 years ago, I, I, I trekked down there, just sentimental journey. And the place was in ruins, as you say. It was absolutely derelict. The concessions, stuff was lying there, equipment was lying around. But there was one weird face. Uncanny, almost yes, spooky face, it called, was on, and you call it Tilly. Tell us on, the story of Tilly. It was, on, it
2: was on the side of the Palace Amusements, which is, right. which was torn down. And actually, the town of Ayersbury took that face off the concrete and, and, and preserved it. They actually put it in the, the local dump for a couple of years, but now they're going to preserve it. The face was, it was painted by a, a man named uh, Leslie Thomas around 1950. And it was modeled after uh, the old steeplechase in Coney Island. And then that had kind of a same like kind of Cheshire cat grinning face to it. And they named it Tilly uh, after the uh, George Tillio who ran the uh, steeplechase in, in in Coney Island. So it's got, so got Coney hundreds.
1: Island, New York in Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah.
2: Like a a homage to the the man that ran the steeplechase.
1: So there's nothing supernatural
2: about it. Well, it's a very iconic uh, symbol for New Jersey. Unfortunately, uh, it was never copyrighted, so people use it left and right.
1: Yeah. I'd like to um, go to southern New Jersey. We cannot talk about weird New Jersey ...without talking about the Jersey Devil. Now, uh, to paint the uh, the scene, the background to this, as you go down, for example, on the Garden State Parkway, uh, as you go down towards South Jersey, you get through a, a very barren area. And it's called the Pine Barrens. And there, allegedly, is the home of the Jersey Devil. Now... A lot of stories about the Jersey Devil. What is the Jersey Devil and what are some of the uh, the stories that you've heard, Mark?
2: Well, supposedly the Jersey Devil uh, and this was around, you know, the 1700s, it was the 13th child of uh, a family called Leeds, and mother Leeds cursed this child. And supposedly when it was born, it It was born with a horse head and wings, and it went up out the chimney, and then it scrambled into the Pine Barrens. odd thing about the Jersey Devil is it always seems to make itself known whenever there's a, a catastrophe about to happen. And it's been proven over the years that every time somebody sees this weird thing in the woods, and believe me, People have seen strange things in the pine barrens. You have thousands and thousands of acres of nothing but sand and scrub pines. And it gets very dark down there at night. And it's very lonely. People see a lot of strange things. And we've had hundreds of stories of of, of eyewitness accounts saying, this is something I saw that I cannot explain. From something, you know, hanging in a tree, from something flying off the side of the road, it's just part of the New Jersey folklore, which may actually be some kind of cryptid that we just don't really know what it is.
1: Is anybody doing any uh, research into it or any any serious investigations?
2: Well, there's um, there's a lot of like Bigfoot investigations now in the Pine Barrens. You got to remember, like New Jersey has a few pronounced. Very, you know, you know, centri- you know, centralized uh, cryptids, and one is the Jersey Devil in the Pine Barrens, and the other one is the Big Red Eye, which is like a Bigfoot creature, which is up in the northern uh, New Jersey Sussex you know, County area, and then in the middle, there's this other thing that people have been seeing. It's, it's almost like a mantis man. It's like this seven-foot-tall praying mantis that people have been seeing. So uh, it's, for a little state, we got a lot of like stuff going on here that we can't explain.
1: Well, I dare say. The, as far as the—you know, we were talking about the Jersey Devil. Uh, it reminds me—it it sounds so similar to the Mothman stories. Appearing before a disaster— uh, I see a connection there somehow.
2: I know. And um, it's it's just very... It, it's, I mean, if you ever want to take a trip, uh, you go to the Pine Barrens and you camp out for the night, then you can tell me how you feel the next morning. Because there's just something about the Pine Barrens that is... It, it just it hasn't changed in hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, hardly anybody lives there. I mean, you really... Nobody really lives there except, well, that they're called the Pines, but they kind of live on the outskirts, not in the in the in the midsection.
1: Well, the Pine Barrens are uh, are actually legally protected, aren't they?
2: Yes, and actually, it has the largest underground freshwater available anywhere on the East Coast, and that's why it's protected because of the water underneath it.
1: You know. Um, I have to tell a family story. There's nothing necessarily paranormal or supernatural or anything about it, but uh, a lot of weird stuff in New Jersey. I, um, my, my grandfather, my grandparents used to have a, a bungalow up at Schwartzwood Lake, which I mentioned before, outside Newton. Beautiful area. Uh, it's just I've been back there. It never changes. It's just so beautiful and quiet and peaceful. But uh, I remember years back in the fifties when the family was sort of all pitching in and building, uh, building the house. We did a lot of it ourselves, and there was a porch that was being built, and a little bit of um, a cellar underneath. And uh, I remember it. I was there. I watched it. You know, they were they were uh, digging down into the limestone. Everything was limestone there. And my father was holding some kind of a crowbar or something, or a, I don't know, some kind of a, a long rod or something. And he practically lost it because apparently there was a
0: cave underneath. Before we figure out about that cave, and Bob's not his father, and he's not going to come back on the show tonight, by the way. As- I was thinking we could resurrect Jim Mosley or something and other people we know who would live in New Jersey, but that's not going to happen. We have Mark. We have Gene. We have Bob. You're in. The Paracast.
8: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
0: Hey, listeners. With PowerCast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the PowerCast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit thepowercast.plus. Once again, thepowercast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store.
13: Check out the Paracast. Plus. to learn more about Paracast Plus. Folks, it looks like food shortages are here. I'm going to stick around. Supply chains are breaking down, and inflation is back with a vengeance. It's all part of the shortage economy. What used to be unthinkable is now in the headlines. Are you ready? Do you currently have a stockpile of emergency food at home? If not, go to mypatriotsupply.com today, and you'll find an emergency food kit that's right for you and your family. My Patriot Supply is the largest preparedness company in America, serving millions of families like yours. Pick up a three-month food kit that stays fresh for up to 25 years in proper storage. The meals in the kit provide over 2,000 delicious calories a day. That's important when you need to survive. Order from MyPatriotSupply.com and your food will ship fast in unmarked boxes to protect your privacy. Don't wait for permission or more empty store shelves. Go to mypatriotsupply.com now. Mypatriotsupply.com.
16: 800-507-3137 That's
18: 800-507-3137 Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, the author of this book is From the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
0: So we have one more segment with Mark Skirman of Weird New Jersey Magazine, where you just never run out of stories about Weird New Jersey, which is why he's kept that magazine running for so many years.
1: Well, the story was my my father and a, a bunch of the guys, you know, my uncles and everything. They were they were building this this little um, cave, you could call it, or a cellar cellar is the word underneath the porch. And my father lost a crow, almost lost a crowbar. It was just Hollow underneath. That stuck with me because, you know, there's nothing unusual about a a cave. But it made me think with my (laughs) imagination. I wonder if you have heard of any theories or stories about a portal to the inner earth in New Jersey. And we go back maybe to the Darrow's again, the underground Darrow's.
2: We were contacted by this man. His name was Dr. Beard, and he wanted to show us a portal to the inner earth, and that was in Tom's River, New Jersey. And uh, he wanted to show us this portal to uh, the inner earth, and it, he claimed it was in Tom's River. Uh, we went down to interview him. He did a very good interview, but uh, he couldn't quite find the portal. So we never really found the portal to the inner earth.
1: Well, why did he believe it was there in the first place? I mean, what proof did he have?
2: Uh, I I, know, I think his father went with uh, one of those explorers to the North Pole and uh, where, where they found the inner earth up there. Uh, was it Bird, one of those explorers?
0: Oh, you mean Admiral yeah, Bird, uh, where he uh, flew to the hole at the pole and found the inner earth. But that, right. to me, read like... The old Edgar Rice Burroughs novels about Pellucidar, where they take a balloon and they go past the edge <laughs> into the inner earth, where they have the great central sun and all that stuff.
2: Shambhala, right? Yeah, that's
1: right. Uh, as we go around the state, Mark. Um, you know, New Jersey's not a big place. I mean, what is it, eight million people live there? Yeah. And it's uh yeah, it's it's not it's not a really a big place. But it, it it seems to me that there is a concentration of weirdness and strangeness in the states. And you did touch on this earlier on, but uh just let's go back there. I mean, what are your personal theories about why there are so many strange things? In our home state,
2: well, I think it's because it, it it is it's concentrated, but it's not. It's you got the mountains, you got the piney, you got the shore, you got a lot of history here, and with a lot of history comes a lot of strange things. So yeah, I I think out of all fifty states, and you know we've we've did about thirty six or so weird state books. We obviously have to say that. New Jersey is the weirdest state. At least we, we put out 57 issues so far called Weird New Jersey, and it's about our travels. And, uh, you know, we couldn't put out a weird Arizona book because we don't live in Arizona, but we live in New Jersey. And we could travel anywhere within three hours and be back home for dinner at the same time. So uh, it's, 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 it's what we do here. It's what we do with the magazine.
0: Let's now, just okay. to mention, in case people are wondering, the latest population estimate is that New Jersey has 9.28 million people. Wow.
1: Wow. When I was a kid, it was 6 million.
0: That's right, and the others left and came back. Yeah,
1: right? <laughs> you know, that, that's a funny thing about New Jersey. I think we New Jerseyans are very loyal to our state. I must say... Uh, I'm not, you know, uh, terribly patriotic or anything but I, I can honestly say I've, I've lived most of my life in Switzerland uh, as a caveat but uh, I'm very proud to say I'm from New Jersey. I love my home state. It's a beautiful state and I resent the bad uh, you know, remarks that people make the insulting remarks about New Jersey you know, oh you live in New Jersey what exit on the turnpike and this Where's sort the, of thing.
2: The armpit between Pennsylvania, Philadelphia in New York City, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And people who say those things don't know the state at all.
2: They don't don't realize the history of the state. They don't realize all the inventions that came out of New Jersey. It's like...
0: Tom Edison, look. I mean, Edison, New Jersey. Well, Well, I lived in Edison for several (laughs) years, but part of the problem is people remember taking the New Jersey Turnpike and passing the oil refineries. Yeah. So they say, okay, it's a a dirty state because of this small area. Once you pass through like
2: Newark Airport and the Pulaski Skyway, you see the refineries. You see the worst of New Jersey. You got to travel out. Out. You got to just travel out.
1: That's the point I was, uh, exactly the point I was trying to make. You know, there is an ugly side of New Jersey, and that is along, you know, close to New York. Bayonne the refineries the home of Esso and all of this standard oil i mean a heavily industrialized area chemical production and all of that but as soon as you get out of the new york metropolitan area well not maybe not the metropolitan area but the immediate area of the hudson river in new york suddenly it's called the garden state it really is it's beautiful you go to northwestern New Jersey, you're going back a, a couple of hundred years. The beautiful houses, you, you think you're back a hundred years in history. The life, the pace of life is slow. There's folklore. People are still friendly. They talk to each other. It's like the the grand old days, and they haven't changed as soon as you get out of the industrial area along the Hudson River. You're not being paid by the New Jersey travel people, are you, Bob? Well, they should pay me because I'm telling it sincerely, you know. <laughs> if they want to hire send it, them it, a it bill. Send them a bill. No, I, I'm, I'm yeah. being honestly sincere. I haven't been back for quite some time to the States, but when I go... I do a sentimental journey. I go through Hawthorne. I go to Lake Patcong, which is absolutely beautiful. In fact, we can get on that for a moment, uh, Mark, because there apparently uh, is some kind of a monster about Lake Patcong.
2: Well, with the magazine, we embrace the state's weirdness. We enjoy, we're not your travel guide to go see where George Washington slept, we are your travel guide to see the unique parts of New Jersey, the abandonment, the history, the, the, the weirdness. And it's just, that's, that's what the magazine embraces. And we've been doing it for like 28 years now. And uh, people really seem to enjoy it. We can't figure out why.
0: <laughs> well, of course, you should just bask in its success. Where do we find more information?
2: I would just say, just go to weirdnj.com and uh, take it from there. We we answer all emails. We answer, you know, any of your questions as best as we can. you got to remember, we've been doing this for many, many years. And a lot of people say, well, what's, what's the weirdest place you've ever been to? And it's like it's really hard to answer because it's like you don't know. Like the weirdest place you're going to be to is the next adventure you go on. So people think we're holding it a big secret that they want to go see, but we're not telling them. But we're really not. We just, we just put it out there every six months and let people go wherever they want.
0: You can find us on Twitter if you look for the PowerCast. You can also check us out on Facebook where we have a couple of Paracast communities, groups, whatever the heck they call them over there. We have branded merchandise for the PowerCast with different logos. Go to the PowerCast.shop. The Paracast.shop. But we also have the Paracast Plus, which is a special version of his show, free of the network ads, better quality audio, and we also give you the After the Paracast podcast, where Bob and I have some fascinating things to talk about, maybe a bit more about New Jersey. Think about that. For more information about the Paracast Plus, go to theparacast.plus. And if you use the coupon code UFO20, that's UFO20, we give you 20% off for five-year and lifetime subscriptions. The PowerCast plus. Mark Skerman, thank you so much for joining us on the Paracast.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you very Mark, much. Mark, it
1: was a great pleasure. Great to talk to you about our, our love for our home state. Well, maybe I'll see you in New Jersey one of these days, fellas. I'll take you to my favorite Italian restaurant in Hawthorne.